been a fun series that we just started. It's called From Pews or Pew Sitters to Pillars. And uh, Pastor Joshua opened last week and did an amazing job on the message. And so today I believe the Lord wants to speak to you as well through this message. So let's be ready and prepared to receive the word of the Lord. When I go in to a, uh, hear a message, whether I'm listening to my husband or another preacher or if I'm even listening to something online, I'm, I always listen to what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me through them. And so I encourage you to, to listen to the voice of God inside my voice. Okay, I'm definitely not God. I make mistakes like all the time. But I believe that God wants to speak through me to you today. So prepare your hearts to receive the word of the Lord. Um, today, we're, the title is called Turning Pew Sitters into Pillars. See, most of the people in the pew have internalized this notion that the ministry is the responsibility of the vocational pastor or missionary, the professionals, quote unquote. And so their job as a pew sitter is to sit. And to watch others do the work. And see, this mindset, it's killing the church. It's not God's will. It's not God's call for the church. This is the thing, though. All of us come into our relationship with the Lord as baby Christians or as a pew sitter. It's okay to have a time in your life where you do sit and you do receive and you do um, take in the spiritual nourishment so that you can mature and grow and be the people that, of God that God has designed you to be. But instead, what has happened, especially in the Western world, especially in the American churches, we camp out there way too long. And there's people who have been pew sitting for 10, 15 years. I, I believe if you're pew sitting over a year, that's not God's will. God, God wants to use you to do his work. And so I hope to encourage you uh, today to allow the Lord to, to move through you. There's a scripture in Ephesians 4 or 5 that says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. God desires us to grow more and more every day like Christ. So I want to talk to you about what a pillar is, because today we're not going to just camp out on what a pew sitter is. I think that's pretty obvious, someone who sits and watches. We want to talk about what a pillar is, because God wants to transform us into a pillar. So a, a pillar is a long, slender, vertical structure used to support a superstructure, a column, a person who is a main support of an institution move or movement, etc. A pillar, the Bible even uses the word pillar to talk about some of the apostles in the New Testament. We see this in Galatians, and this is Paul speaking. He says, in fact, James, Peter, and John, who are known as pillars of the church, recognized the gifts of God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers and encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued the work to the Jews. Friends, God calls people who are mature in the Lord pillars. In the Old Testament, pillars were so important in ho holding up the, uh, the temple that the actual columns, the pillars, were, had biblical names given to them. And so God feels that it's very important for us to grow to a place to be a mature Christian that we're not just receiving um, all the time and we're, and we're giving. The Lord showed me a while ago that America, not only do we have a problem um, as, 
um, what, what causes most of our health problems, they say, is obesity. But we also have what we call, what I like to call spiritual obesity in the church, which I believe caused most of the health problems, spiritual health problems in the church. And what that is, is that we get to a place that we receive, receive, receive. I mean, we're in a generation now, never before. I mean, you could listen to a, a message every single day if you want online. There's people I know that they do a lot of driving, and that's exactly what they do. They, they listen to preaching like all the time, and they receive so much. And, and that's good to receive and to grow in knowledge as long as we're exercising. See, because obesity comes when all we're doing is we're taking in and we're, we're not getting up and we're not doing anything. It's okay to take in the good things of God as long as we're exercising our faith. And so today I want to encourage us to exercise our faith. That is maturity. See, pillars are those who are mature in the Lord. Pillars know their identity in Jesus and they walk in their gifts. God needs stable people who will support and equip the church. God desires all of us to be pillars in the kingdom. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about four steps. And we're going to talk about four steps needed to turn from a pew sitter to a pillar. And if you're following along in your notes, this is going to be some of the fillings. But before we get into the fillings, I want to kind of take a moment to explain to you what turn really means. According to the Old Testament, the word repentance, it is uh, the Hebrew word is sub, and it simply means to turn. See, turning is not, this, this idea of repentance in the Old Testament is not just a change. We see in the New Testament the word repentance, it, it kind of means change, a change of heart, mind, soul, and direction. And we do need that. But it's not just a change. It's a turning to make that change. It's a turning away from evil, turning away from the flesh, and turning towards God. And we see this over and over, this word sub, in the Old Testament scriptures. Ezekiel 14, 6 says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent and turn away from your idols. Turn away your face from, from all your evil, friends, and turn towards the Lord. It's a turning away from evil and a turning towards the Lord. And so today when we're talking about four steps to turn, it's not just turning into a, puce, a, a, a pillar, but recognizing that there might be some areas in your life, even for those who, of us who consider ourselves stable and mature, that we could still be somewhat of a pew sitter in certain areas in our life. And so it's turning away from that mindset and turning to the mindset that God has over our life, that every single believer is called and, and the Holy Spirit wants to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And so step one that we're gonna talk about today so that we can turn into the pillars that God has called us to do is that our talent must be used for God. We're gonna do an uh, acrostic here with the word turn. And the first thing that we need to do is make sure that we are using our talent for God. See, pew sitters are takers. Those. Those are the people that are always me, me, me. I'm always needing some kind of, I'm always in a crisis, always needing rescued. Pastor Earl over at South Toledo calls them crisis Christians. He said the, the ones are always only coming to Jesus when, they have, when they, they're having a crisis. They need a bill paid. They need rescued in, in some kind of situation. And, and 20 years of, of urban ministry, we've seen a lot of crisis Christians. And it's okay to be in a crisis because God uh, sometimes allows that to happen so that we can turn towards him. He uses those things. But to be constant in a, a state of 
take, 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 and never give. See, there's a proverb that says the leech has two daughters. Give me and give me more. Look it up, friends. I don't want to be a leech. Right? I mean, who likes those nasty little suckers? Who wants to be a leech up in here? That's disgusting. Right? So we need to stop. Give me, 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 and give me more. Because that means we're being a leech. We're being a pew sitter. We're being a taker instead of a giver. Pew sitters either don't know their talents or they only use their talents for themselves. But pillars give God their talents. See, there's an old saying that says, your talent is God's gift to you, but what you do with it is your gift back to God. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and tweet that. <laughs> I want to give my talent back to God. He's given it to me. Everything I have is his, and I want to give it back to him. Amen. So we're going to go ahead into a pretty popular uh, parable that Jesus spoke here in Matthew 25, 14 and 30 that talks about talents. We're going to break it down, but I'm going to read a pretty large passage of scripture. And I want you to really focus in to the word of God because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. It's the power to separate the flesh from the spirit man. So let the spirit man rise up and put your spiritual ears on and really receive what the scripture is saying. And this is the parable of the talents. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents and to another two and another one and each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came to settle accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said, well done, Good and faithful servant, you are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, he who, also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. <clears throat> this parable has so much revelation in it. So much insight that we can take and that we can learn. Friends, God has entrusted us with resources. God has entrusted us 
with gifts. God has entrusted us with talents. He's given us these things according to our own ability. But he wants to see if we are going to be faithful with what he gives us. See, lots of people look at an end result, and they want the end result without doing what it takes to get to the end result. A lot of people might look at Aunt Margaret and Uncle Mark and their marriage that seems so perfect and think, I want that for my life, but not want to put in the, how many years? Many years to get there. And the, the service that they have done for one another to get there. See, friends, we want, we want the end result without putting in the work. And friends, that is not what it's going to take. God said, if you're faithful with little, then I will give you more. And see, some of you have not entered into the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, because you have not been faithful with what he has given you. And we wonder, why are we so depressed as Christians? Why are we so feel like we're in bondage? You're not entering into the joy of the Lord because when he's given you talents, he's given you resources, he's given you gifts, and you're, and you're, and you're hiding them. You're, you're burying them in the ground instead of putting them out there for, for, for God to use them. But, but I'm afraid, you think to yourself, what if I take a risk and I fail? It's better to take a risk and fail than take what the Lord has given you and dig it a hole and put it in the ground, friends. I'd rather step out in faith. I'd rather walk one or two steps on water with Jesus than sit in the boat and watch somebody else do it, friends. We've got to get to the place that we realize that we are going to be judged according to what he has given us, according to the ability that he has given us. Friends, we are going to give an account. The Bible says we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. If we're going to give an account for every idle word, we're definitely going to give an account to the gifts and talents that he has given us. Now, see, the talent in this New Testament here is talking about resources, talking about money. But I believe that it could be related to the talents and abilities that God has given us. But it does also mean money. And so one thing that I want to just insert here, this message is not about this, but I would like to insert here that if you are one who considers yourself to be a pillar or a mature believer, then you're going to be faithful with your resources. It's not going to be an issue for you to give your, your tie to the Lord. It's not going to be an issue to give an offering to the Lord because that's what we do when we're mature to the Lord. He's given us everything, so we give back onto him. If you are in a place that you're still real, it's really hard for you to write out a check doing something of charity work, giving to your church or giving to what God is calling you to do, then there might be something inside of your heart that needs to be checked because pillars do that. And so friends, I want to encourage you to say, I want to grow. I want to mature and to start making steps. Pastor Keith, the pastor who trained Josh and I in ministry said this, he said, you can tell a person's heart by what's in their checkbook. And so friends, I want to encourage you, man, say, Ask the Lord, God, am I being faithful with, with what you've given me? Am I a good steward? Am I a good steward with the resources, with the finances, with the gifts, with the talents, with my time, with the things that you have given me? Am I honoring you with that? See, for me, it's not enough just for my children to come to. I want to be a good parent. I want my children to come to the Lord. But I want every friend that comes over my house because of my children to also have a witness of the Lord. I want every neighbor that steps into my backyard to also have a witness of, of what the goodness of God, friends. I'm going to give an account for that. I'm going to give an account for my time. I don't want to just waste my time away with what us Americans call me time. And not having time to serve the Lord and to do the things that God has called us to do because, oh, well, we're so concerned about me time. Friends, we're going to give an account for that. 
Instead, I want to be faithful, and I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Friends, you can hear, well done. Rather, you have five talents or just two. If you're faithful with what he gives you, he will give you more, and you will hear, well done. So my encouragement to you is to use your talent for the Lord. But friends, also with God, it's not enough just to use our talent, but to use it in a way that brings him glory. It's not enough if he has given you a great mind just to, be a, uh, to go to college and be an engineer and to make good money, unless you're doing that onto the Lord, friends. It's not enough if he's given you, if he's given you um, great uh, entrepreneur spirit and, and you have this idea to start businesses, unless that is still onto the Lord. I know people who pastor people within their business, even though they're not called a, a pastor, they may be called a CEO. I know people who, uh, God used all kinds of people in the Old Testament from a tax collector to a doctor, friends. God wants to use you and the talents that he's given you, not just for you to take care of yourself and your family. Yes, that is important, but for him to receive glory through you. So talent is a gift, but friends, character is a choice. That's a John Maxwell quote. So through this all, friends, not only should we use our talent for the Lord, but in such a way that we are having character as we do it. Amen. First step in turning. Woo, I hit you hard with that first one. Smack, smack, but I love you, okay? I love you, know that. We're going to turn because we're going to use our talent for the Lord. The second step to turn into a pillar is this, unction that leads to action. Unction is an old school word. I love that word unction too because we're old school, baby. We're old school. Old souls, man. This is our new... Generation X and down, we, millennials, you probably have never, maybe have been to church your whole life and haven't heard the word unction. See, the old saints used to always talk about the, the unction of the Lord. And what the unction of the Lord means is it means anointing. Kings and prophets and priests were anointed in token of receiving divine grace. All believers are, in a secondary sense, what Christ was in a primary sense, the Lord's anointed. See, friends, we're in a, we're in a new covenant now. It's not just priests, um, and it's not just kings that are anointed. It's every believer who has received Jesus in their heart is anointed. Now you can have the unction of the Lord. I tell people, man, it's an honor to even clean the toilets in the church. You know why? Because in the Old Testament, the only way you got to do that is if you were a Levite. You had to be born of a certain tribe to be able to serve in the, in the temple. But we, no matter what, Jesus died and the veil was uh, torn and he rose again and the, and the unction of the Lord came on. The Holy Spirit came on every believer that would receive it. It's a gift. It's a choice to receive the unction and the anointing of the Lord. But if you receive it, friends, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. But this is the thing. The, the disciples were wise enough to listen to the counsel of Jesus when Jesus said, but wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then Acts chapter 2 happened and the Holy Spirit came and, and it was kind of wild and crazy. As a matter of fact, it was so wild and crazy that they began speaking in another language. And then there was people that there was, there was a festival in town. So there was all kinds of foreign people there and they're like, what is going on? These people are speaking our language, but with a Nazarite vow or with a not, uh, Nazarene um, accent. 
How is that going on? These are unlearned men. How, men, how are they speaking our language? And then Peter took an opportunity to preach, and 3,000 of them got saved. But see, that wouldn't have happened if they didn't wait, like the song we sang today. See, my husband, Pastor Josh, used to say this, wait in prayer, walk in power. What is that? That's unction, friends. The Holy Spirit will lead you to speak to people, but you got to be willing to wait and listen to his voice. He will lead you to counsel people. He will lead you to bring hope to people. He will lead you to give a good word to somebody, but you have to wait. And you have, there's a couple things. You have to wait on the Lord, and then you have to know that he will use you. Some people have it in their mind that they're, they're just not good enough. They're not special enough to be used. And, friends, that is a, a lie and a straight-up deceitfulness of the enemy. And we think to ourselves, oh, I can't do that. I, you know, if someone's sick in the hospital and you might feel the Lord call you to go pray for someone. But instead you say, well, you know what, let me call Pastor Josh and see if he can do this. We leave it for the professionals. We leave it for the vocational pastor, for the vocational missionary. When God is calling us to get up off our butts, to stop warming the pews, and to go out and be a light to the world. That's how the world is going to know Jesus. That's how they're going to hear the good news, friends. I love the scripture and what it says here in 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, but you, but you. Say, but you. But you. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all are like, Pastor Joey ain't making us laugh today. <laughs> Sometimes we just got to hear it as it is. So say it again. But you, but you. are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Friends, we're called a service in the kingdom. We're called as ministers. The word minister simply means servant. It doesn't mean you have to have a reverend in front of your name. It means servant. God has called all of us as ministers. See, I want to explain this. Oftentimes, the pew sitter does not get up and do the work of the, of the gospel, the work of the kingdom, because they're deceived and thinking it's the turf of the pastor. And sometimes, friends, that's the pastor's fault. Because we have this hierarchy in the church. that Oh, no, 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 I can't do that because I got to, you know, that's, that's their job. You know, what our, you know what our job is? According to Ephesians 4, where it breaks down the, 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 the role of the five-fold ministry, what's the job of the evangelist? Someone go ahead and just tell me. What's the job of the evangelist? Spread the word. Mm, it, it is, but that's not the main job according to Ephesians 4. Look it up. According to Ephesians 4, the main job of an evangelist is to equip the saints. What about the teacher? That's another one. What's the main job of a teacher? What would you think? To teach. But according to Ephesians 4, the main job of a teacher is to equip the saints. And so God might use me as a teacher to teach something, but that teaching better equip the saints. God might use me uh, as an evangelist to go out and evangelize, but I better be bringing somebody along with me because I got to equip the saints. God might call someone as a pastor to shepherd the flock and to take care for those who, who God brings into the church but we better be raising up others because we're to equip the saints. And so, friends, I'm here to encourage you and to tell you that Pastor Josh and I, we don't think it's all about us. So much so that every other week one of us aren't even here. 
Sometimes neither one of us are here because we're over at South Toledo. This is about the kingdom of God, friends. This, is, this church will never grow if it's about Pastor Josh and Pastor Joy. It will only grow when you get it in your heart to do the work of the kingdom, the work of the ministry. And the good news about this core team, this group of people right here, is you guys are already working. You're already on the right track. This isn't a rebuke to you. This is an encouragement to keep on going. To not listen to the lies when the lies come in and discourage and makes you feel like your work is in vain and that you're not doing enough and that, 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 that this is never going to grow and, that, and, that, that, and listening to all the different. We're not even going to air all the devil's lies right now because he's underneath our feet. And instead, we're going to receive the encouragement of the Lord that the good work he began in you, he will bring to completion. And he is going to use you at your gifts to do the work of the kingdom. Whether that means you're working in a business place, that if you're working, you know, for uh, some kind of social cause or some kind of injustice, if you're working in a factory, if you're working in a, as, a, a, as a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, whatever God has called you to do, he's going to use you in that place to bring the kingdom. See, Jesus in the prayer, the Lord's prayer, it said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is going to come down to earth when we bring it down, friends. When we say, I'm going to bring the kingdom with me right into my workplace. When Jesus preached, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is near, friends. We've got to get this revelation that we carry the very presence of God, the very presence of Jesus in us wherever we go. Not just when we're at church. Oh, I feel the presence when I'm in worship. I feel the presence when I'm in church. Friends, I feel the presence of God when I'm out at Walmart shopping. When I'm at, especially when I'm at Sam's Club. I've had so many divine appointments at Sam's Club, I'm telling you, I got my eyes checked, and I thought I got about three nurses or three whatever. I'm not even sure what they're called. I doc, I people. I got to pray with like three of them. So much so the doctor there wrote out a check to our church and said that when his dad retires from the ministry because he's like super old, that he's going to come to our church. <laughs> we need to take every opportunity to share the love of God, friends. But see, this is what some of us do. Can you show that next slide, please? Some of us, we are like this picture right here. <laughs> Don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. Right? We need to stop asking God to guide our steps if when he does, we're sitting there like that donkey and we're like, um, The laughter was coming, friends. The laughter's coming. <laughs> Come on, friends. We need to, as my friend Jill says, sometimes be the answer to our prayers. That's what the unction that leads to action is all about. See, pillars receive the unction of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the gospel. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. No more spiritual obesity. It's time to exercise our faith. Amen? Amen. Step three in taking that turn towards being a pillar is reaching others. And we've already been talking about it, but I want to dig into it just a little bit more. Pew sitters reach in, but pillars reach out. Pew sitters come to church because they need a breakthrough. Pillars come to church because they're ready to bring a breakthrough to somebody else. Pillars reach out, friends. 
See, there's this rule that, that, that church people talk about, especially when you're a pastor and you go to these little conferences, and they call it the 80-20 rule. Some of you may have heard it. Some of you may have not heard it. The 80-20 rule is this. It's in most churches where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Uh-uh, not here. Anthony ain't playing that. Uh-uh. I'll call you up. We need everybody. We need 100%, 100%. Like a marriage, it ain't 50-50. Mm-mm, I ain't giving only half. I'm giving all of myself to my husband. He's giving all of himself back. It's got to be 100, 100. That's what this church plant's all about. For those who don't know, we're a new church plant. We just started uh, Easter, and we need everybody to get their hands on deck. But, you know, we'll, we'll take you in slowly. We'll ease you in. But eventually, you got you to, you, you know, help, help us out. <laughs> Forget the 80-20 rule. I want to do away with that rule. Can you imagine if every church across the world would get away with that rule and if every single person who sat down and warmed a pew decided that they were going to be equipped with the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the gospel, the world would turn upside down. If God can turn the world upside down with just 12 men in the book of Acts, what can God do with this group of 40 people right here? God can literally turn Waterville and the Anthony Wayne surrounding area upside down. Every day when you go to work, ask God, I need a divine appointment today. Show me someone I could talk to about Jesus. Every day you go into the supermarket, don't just go for your bread and your milk. Say, God, do you have someone for me to talk to, someone for me to encourage? Every day when someone calls you on your phone and, 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 and whatever, is a salesman, oh, psh, you got to sit down. You, we, we, saw, we, we told you guys what happened to the, to the guy who came, you know, who sold us a truck. Well, you're selling us a truck, but let me tell you about Jesus. Every opportunity is an opportunity to reach out to others when you're a pillar. Amen. There's a principal economic law at work in the kingdom of God that seems that the demand for ministry always exceeds the supply of workers. I took economics way back in the day in college, and I don't remember a lot of it, but supply and demand is one thing I do remember. And it's sad to say that in the church that the that that this law of the kingdom. I mean, this, that, that ministry always exceeds the amount of workers. And this was even back when Jesus was walking the earth so much so that he told his disciples, he said, hold up, don't say four more months to the harvest, friends. He said, look to the fields right now and see that the harvest is plentiful, that it is, it is right, it is ripe. He said, no, 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 no more saying, oh, well, we're going to wait, you know, a little bit longer. We got to get a little bit more, few things in order here, you know. We, we don't got lights yet. We haven't put out flyers yet. We haven't even done a commercial yet. We're going to just wait till we get a little bit more things in order before we invite people to our humble little new church. No, friends, the harvest is plentiful. But then Jesus said this, the workers are few. But he didn't leave it there. He said, so pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers. Friends, I've been praying this week, and that has been my prayer. God, God, I know that there are souls that still need to know you. I know that there are people who are lost. There are people who do not know the love of our God. God, would you equip your people? Would you show me? Would you teach me how to equip? Would you teach all of us how to equip and encourage one another? Would we be like iron that sharpens iron? That we would do the work of the gospel, that people would know the truth, that Jesus Christ died for a sinner like me. But he rose again and he sent the Holy Spirit so that I could have power, that I could live a life of abundance, a life of victory.
Friends, we've got to reach out. We've got to reach out. What does the Great Commission mean to you? This is a question that I asked at our last small group. What does the Great Commission mean to you? And I'm not going to, I don't have time to read the whole thing. It's Matthew 28. But this is the last thing that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And he told them to go into all the world and to preach, friends, the good news. To share the gospel and to make disciples to see them baptized, friends. And he said, this is, this is not just for the 12 disciples. This is for every believer. Those who are far off, this is for us today to do this work, to preach the good news, to share. Share your story with someone. It doesn't mean you need a mic and that you need to get up behind a pulpit or whatever and, and speak, but share your story with someone. Tell someone how God has changed your life. Share your testimony. Friends, people want to hear that. People want hope. We need to reach out. You may have heard the old saying, it's the great commission, not the great suggestion. <laughs> Some of us treat Jesus' last words like it was the great suggestion when it was the great commission. Friends, I want to encourage you. I want to employ you to share the good news with people. If it's just sharing your testimony, share the good news, people. Invite people to church. Let people know that, that there's hope for them. See, because pillars reach out. God is calling us to be pillars, amen? Now, some of these steps have been a little bit, man, wow, she's kind of not being so funny today. Just a little bit funny. But this next one is, is a, it's not just a, a last step, friends. This step, this last thing I'm going to talk about is in everything that we do. It's in using our talents. It's, it's in receiving the unction of the Lord it's in reaching out to others. This last step is not a last step. It's an ongoing, everyday step, and it is this. If you want to turn from being a pew-sitter to a pillar, our nature has to change. Nature changes, friends, and when I'm talking about our nature, I'm talking about the old man. Someone say, old man. I ain't talking about your daddy, friends. <laughs> I ain't talking about your papa. I'm talking about that old man that lives inside of you that, that still needs to be crucified every day. See, the Bible talks about dying to the flesh, dying to that old man. See, sometimes we want just that automatic salvation, that automatic deliverance. We, we, you know, there's times that you might come to the altar. I know people who dealt with drug addictions, they came to the altar, and God just automatically took it away. But then I know some people that they have to die to their flesh every day for those addictions because that old man still wants it. See, the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict. Someone say conflict. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. It's Galatians 5. See, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance to the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. Pastor Shannon, Pastor Keith's wife, used to say this to us when we were young in the Lord. She would say, starve what you hate and feed what you love. And what she meant by that is, Joy, if you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to be mature in the Lord, then you need to starve that old nature and what it craves. And you need to feed what you love. I just had a conversation a few weeks ago with my oldest son, and I said, see, your mom used to have this problem with a really bad temper. And I really wanted deliverance from this really bad temper. Matter of fact, I tried to get 
some deliverance with this really bad temper. Matter of fact, I was so afraid to have children because I was afraid I might go off and liable to, to beat one one day because I had such a bad temper. When Josh and I first got married, thank God we got married before cell phones were expensive because I threw a couple phones and broke a couple phones. That's back when they were just the cheap little phones, thank God. Because I've been learning. Can, can I say I've been delivered from a bad temper? No. I've been learning to die every day to a bad temper. Every once in a while, my mom or my husband might bring that familiarity up, might cause that old nature to rise up and rear his ugly head, and then I have to repent and turn again. Sometimes the kids too, yeah, but not as bad as the other two. <laughs> and I have to turn again away from that nature and into Jesus. See, Paul, the greatest apostle who ever lived, said, I die daily, friends. And we think, oh, I came to Christ and I'm never going to have to deal with this issue. Who deceived you? Who told you that lie? I'm a passionate person, a loud, passionate person. And sometimes there's other things that make me passionate, not just things about God. Like if you mess with my kids or to talk about them or my husband, I get passionate. Or my mom, the ones who make me most mad. I could be mad at them, but you can't be mad at them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I got to die to that old nature, whatever that is in you. Maybe it's a lust thing. Maybe it's a pride thing. Maybe it's a mouth thing. And you got to just do that. For 20 years, friends, I've been praying, God, guard my mouth. Oh, Lord, let just sweet words that edify and build up come out my mouth. If I'm tempted to sin with my mouth, Lord, let the tongue stick to the roof of my, my, my mouth. Uh, you did it for the prophets, Lord. You could do it for me. I mean, seriously, I'm not playing. You could look at 20 years of journals and in 20 years of journals, that is on my prayer list for myself. You would think that after 20 years, I could stop praying that prayer. Nope. Nope. Because someone's going to drive stupid. Someone's going to say something stupid. Someone's going to send me an email. Someone's going to hold me up and make me wait longer than I want to. My food's going to come out cold one day. Come on. There's all kinds of things, right? We live in the world, friends, but we are not. <laughs> That's right. First world problems brings up the anger. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. So whatever that is for you, whatever that old nature is, starve it. Guess what? I can't watch a whole bunch of violent shows. I can, and I definitely can't listen to music that has a bunch of cussing because it's going to slip if I do. Someone asked me, well, do you only listen to Christian music? I said, I only can listen to Christian music. I'm not telling you that you only can listen to Christian music. That's between you and the Lord. But I can only listen to Christian music. Because if I'm listening to something else, it's going to put some bad thoughts in my mind, and it's going to make me slip, friends. I want to starve what I hate. I hate it. I hate it with all my heart when I mess up and I open up my big old fat trap and I say something I regret immediately and then I have to go eat, eat humble pie. I hate humble pie. It tastes nasty. I hate it. I've been washing my carbs for a month, friends, and, and if I'm going to eat some pie, I don't want it to be humble pie. I want peanut butter pie. <laughs> we got to starve what we hate, friends. 
starve what you hate. If you're watching, some, if you deal with lust and you're watching some shows on, on TV that has all kinds of nasty perversion in it, and then you wonder why when you get on the internet to do your work, you're slipping into websites you have no business looking at, starve what you hate. Get rid of it. But don't just starve what you hate, friends. Don't just focus on what not to do. See, that's where the church messes up. That's where we stop. We tell people, do not cuss. Do not, do, do not overindulge. Do not drink. Do not commit adultery. Do not, do not, do not, do not. And then we don't tell them what to do. Starve what you hate, but friends, feed what you love. Feed what you love. Boy, I love to be in the house of the Lord. So much so we had to plant two churches. We was just too bored. We had, we had to do more. We wanted to be, there, there's more people that need to, I love to be around Christian people. I love iron sharpens iron. This week I'm going down Monday through Friday. If you guys have an emergency, call Anthony. Because um, Monday through Friday, <laughs> I'm just kidding, Anthony. Call Aunt Margaret. Because um, <laughs> we're going to be in Youngstown. And we're going to be fellowshipping with my bestie, who when I walk away from her, I walk taller we, without even heels on, friends, because I walk away encouraged and empowered because it's like iron that sharpens iron. And we have conversations that we'll be walking our five miles, and she's always a little fast, little Puerto Rican girl, always in front of me. And I'm trying to keep up with her, and sometimes it feels like the Lord is right there with us. I love that kind of fellowship. I just recently realized I'm actually an extrovert introvert. Everybody thinks I'm just an extrovert. But no, I'm an extrovert introvert because I'm learning new things about myself. And I realized I like conversation, but I like deep conversation. I don't like just, oh, so how's the weather? Oh, no, that's kind of hot. It's kind of muggy. Oh, my hair's a little frizzy. That's boring. (laughs) I like deep conversation. What's God been sharing with you? What have you been reading the scriptures I like deep conversation. When's the last time you, you talked to someone about Jesus? When's the last time you, I like that kind of conversation. I like to open up my soul and share my inner struggles and how I need, I need help and prayer and encouragement. I want that conversation, friends. I want that kind of encouragement, friends. God has called us to feed what we love. And so I got to get into the word because the word sets me free. The truth sets me free. And I got I to gotta not just read, but God, I'm asking for revelation when I read. Would you give me a rhema word, which means a right now on time, speak to me today for my situation kind of word. God, I believe that you can move. God, would, would you give me opportunities? I love to share with people about Jesus. I do. I love it. In the gym, when I'm doing crunches, it's been, it's been a while, but... I just have a hard time working out and avoiding carbs at the same time. I'm going to get there. But (laughs) I'm singing Jesus loves me. I'm serious. I'm preaching my last sermon to whoever's around me because I I love that stuff. I just can't help it. It's just me. It's who I am. 20 years ago when I got on fire for God, they told me I went overboard, friends. My friends said, you went overboard. I went to all the parties with my Jesus T-shirts on. Yeah, and I told everybody. I filled up rows of people to come to church, and they said, you've gone a little overboard, but guess what? I've been swimming in the deep end for 20 years. I don't want to just go overboard. I want to live overboard, but I got to feed what I love, and so I want to encourage you. Bad company corrupts good morals, and friends, this is a verse that we teach our kids, but it's not a verse that we follow ourselves. Get Christian fellowship. Come to our core meetings. Pray and ask God to help you, you know, 
to start a small group, because we're going to start small groups in, in the fall. Ask the Lord, is this something that, that I could be involved in, that I can grow the church, that I can fellowship with one another, that we can have an iron that sharpens iron church, because that's what God has called us to do. Develop spiritual discipline. Say spiritual discipline. It must be developed if you're going to be a pillar in the kingdom. This includes Bible reading and studying and meditating on the scripture. It includes prayer, intercessory prayer, warfare prayer, quiet prayer. It includes fellowship, iron sharpening iron, bringing in new people, loving on them, hosting people at your home, going to other people's homes. It includes service, serving the Lord, putting your hand to the plow, showing up when you commit to nursery. That's what it includes, friends. It includes stewardship, giving your 10%, giving above when God asks you. That's what it includes, friends. God is calling you to be a pillar. Bailey, would you come to the front? Would you guys go ahead and just take a moment to close your eyes? There's one last scripture I want to read to you, and I want you to hear this. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. Would you stand to your feet, friends? God is saying the new is here. God has brought you into a new season, and he has the reasons for it. And for you to hear that reason, you're going to have to get before the Lord. If this message has spoken to you today and you're saying, I want to be a pillar, would you raise your hand before the Lord? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. God wants to use you right where you're at today. Would you come up here and just stand before the Lord? We're going to just take a moment to pray for you.